Hello everyone. One thing we have certainly learned about COVID-19 over the last 18 months is that this disease is a moving target. Whether it be politicians, pundits, or scientists, COVID continues to outsmart them all, creating anger, angst, and frustration for those who place their hope and trust in man's wisdom. So who do we turn to? God. As followers of Christ, we must seek unity and not allow the loudest voices to dictate our response or diminish the peace that knowing Christ affords to all who trust in Him. Romans 12:18 instructs us that if it is possible, as far as it depends on us, to live at peace with everyone. He told us to love our enemies, and those who simply disagree with us over current issues are certainly not our enemies. Don't be deceived by Satan. We shouldn't allow anything to disrupt unity or divide us. Who numbers our days? God. We are all terminal, and our earthly fate is in His hands. But should we do everything within our power to stop the spread of this disease and be healthy? Absolutely. Every day is a gift from God, presenting us the opportunity to bring glory to His name this side of heaven. Nothing about this disease or its devastating effects took our Lord by surprise. The difficulties we encounter in this life are opportunities for each of us to grow and shine, not wither and fade. So let's press forward in faith, giving no quarter to the enemy, whose objective is to divide, oppress, distract, and ultimately destroy us. Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas will grow stronger through this pandemic. We will not yield to the strategies of the enemy or abandon those ideals found in the scriptures that we firmly believe. May his feeble efforts embolden our faith and fortify our resolve. Let us come together. Psalm 46 reads, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. God bless you. Good morning, Fellowship. We are so glad that you're here to worship with us. Would you stand and let's sing the way, the truth, and the life. To every battle through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place, I believe you
seeing it's a new horizon. It's a new horizon, and I'm set on it. Fellowship Legacy is a community of maturing believers who are seeking to actively live out Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. That we would run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Our goal is to leave behind a legacy that fulfills Psalm 78, 4, to tell the coming generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. We are a people committed to finishing strong through Christ-centered relationships, investment in the next generation, ongoing spiritual growth, and loving acts of service. We are men and women who aren't finished yet, who are ready for the next adventure, and who desire to bring glory to God through a life well-lived. Join us this fall. fellowship so glad that you have joined us this morning this is a safe place for you to come and connect with your creator and so I pray that as we sing and as we pray and as we hear from his word that you will feel his presence and experience him in a real way hey I want to welcome you if you're our guest today a very special welcome to you and we'd love to get to to meet you Um, if you want to just take your phone out and you can scan this QR code. It'll give you a drop-down menu and give you an opportunity to sign up as a visitor. Tell us who you are and what you're interested in. We'll follow up with you this week. 
Or if you would like to speak to a human being, we have them in the foyer. Come out there and meet us. Look us in the eye. We'll look you in the eye. We'll size each other up and we'll go from there. We're just glad you're here. Welcome to Northwest Arkansas if you're new to our community. Welcome to our church if this is your first time here. Hey, you just saw a video telling you about the launch of our legacy ministry, Fellowship Legacy. This is for maturing believers who aren't done yet. What's the age range for this? If you saw those people and you're like, those are my people, then it's you. If you saw those people and you're even older than them and said, no, not for me, don't come, no big deal. They're gonna be out in the foyer. They'd love to meet you. And we have a special opportunity um, starting September 9th over in the lodge. That's a Thursday in the morning. We're gonna have a, a study for our Fellowship Legacy Ministry. And Robert Cup is coming out of retirement to teach it. And so if you're interested in that, join us for that. There will also be other opportunities for Fellowship Legacy throughout the fall. It is the last Sunday in August. And I don't know if you know, August is a Hebrew word that means sign up here at Fellowship. <laughs> and so we've got a lot of signups going on and pretty much everything launches September 12th. And so we are a church of small groups. Our small groups meet in homes and coffee shops and restaurants all across Northwest Arkansas. We would love to put you in a small group. You can sign up for that. We also have a membership class called Discover that launches September 12th. If you'd just love to hear more about who we are as a church and whether this is the place for you and your family, sign up for Discover. Our marriage ministry called Reengage launches soon. Our training center classes where you can go deeper in the faith launch soon. There is no excuse for you not to on-ramp to things this fall. We're making it easy for you. Join us. We would love to have you. Hey, out in the foyer today, you can pick up a copy of our First Timothy study guides. We are going to be studying the book of First Timothy beginning, guess what date? September 12th. Um, and so there's a Bible study in here. Your community group uh, questions are in here. There are devotionals in here. They're $5. You can pick them up in the foyer. They're also available digitally at fellowshiprogers.org forward slash First Timothy. And so you can grab that there. So pick one up. Also, out in the foyer today, you probably noticed a lot of tables and signs. We are signing up to serve today. So if you're looking for a place to serve, today is a day to find connections with our ministries. One of our values at Fellowship on Sunday mornings is come an hour, serve an hour. And so we would love for you to tithe part of your time by serving in one of our ministries so they're all out there. So if you go out the side doors today, we're gonna judge you. We're gonna, we just will, it's human nature. We're going out the back doors and you're gonna sign up for something today. This is like, I'm like Jim Gaffigan up here. He was at the Amp last night, wasn't he? Hey, we got a lot going on in our world and I know that our hearts are heavy for a lot of things. And so um, let's, let's take a moment, breathe deep and I wanna pray for some things that are happening out there. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Oh, Lord God, we pray for the families who are grieving the loss of a soldier this Sunday. We thank you for the lives of those soldiers that were given to rescue people in desperation in Afghanistan. And we pray for Afghanistan, for peace. We pray for the women and the children of Afghanistan, that you would protect them from the Taliban 
Lord, we pray for New Orleans and for the panhandle of Florida today as a hurricane will come landfall soon. Lord, that the evacuation would go well and that you would provide safety for those who stay and in the coming days and weeks if it's devastating. Lord, we pray for our hospitals locally. We pray for those in ICUs. We pray for those on ventilators. We pray for those who are serving as nurses and techs and doctors, that you would protect them and that you would provide healing there. We pray for those families who've lost a loved one in the last few weeks, that you would help them to grieve. Lord, we pray for our school administrators and teachers and parents who are navigating doing school and education during a pandemic. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So, Lord, as we come before you, we recognize you're the king, and we pray that you would be lifted up in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 70 this morning. A prayer. Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, turn back because of their shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. We're gonna leave this last slide on the screen. I wanna give us all an opportunity in this place to acknowledge to God, we are poor and we are needy. God, we need you, we depend on you. Lord, do not delay. So take a moment just to rest in his presence, a time of confession and repentance to him this morning.
you stand and declare this together? Our lives would be a life of sacrifice, laying it before the feet of Jesus to be used for his glory in his name.
If you don't have community group, you're just doing a weekly worship. And that the walk of life of, of a Christian needs to be a, a lot more. And you don't get that unless you have community group. I just feel like it strengthened our study, our Bible study, as well as our marriage. I really think a person's walk in faith is strengthened and deepened by small group activities. Our community group currently is six couples. Uh, some of them have been with us for years and some of them have just come in uh, for the last several months. Community group allows you to be much more involved with, uh, with people, give much more fellowship, give much more Bible study. When we sit there in our community group and discuss something, there's so many different ideas and, and thoughts of what uh, the passages mean. It just gives you a much better, well-rounded uh, walk with God. Without community group, our lives would have been different. We rely heavily on our group with our prayers and praises. We know that we can um, talk to them about anything and it not leave the room, but yet they'll lift us up in prayer. And that is very special to us. We came into this group. We raised our kids together. We've watched them get married. We've watched our, them have our grandchildren. We've watched our grandchildren graduate from high school. And our next move is we're going to assisted living together. There's just a oneness that you just don't find in every group. It's a much deeper and more meaningful uh, relationship with God and a stronger walk in faith for a number of reasons. One is that you get to know fellow Christians in a much uh, stronger way. You really understand them and you wind up motivating each other. Probably one of the more meaningful things that we do, we, we do the study, but, but we, we do prayer requests. And somehow that, to me and in other groups I've been to, that's what brings you closer because that's actually where you're putting yourself out and being vulnerable to everybody else and getting to know each other on a personal level. Four years ago, Doug had a health issue on a Sunday morning that was very, very critical. And I immediately called Janet and Scott. They immediately got everybody called and the emergency room at Northwest Hospital became a prayer room. Everybody had their Bibles. They were reading scripture. The people were like, what is going on here? And even the nurses commented, this is phenomenal. We have never seen this before. And we said, this is what the Lord does. And he puts us together to pray for each other and lift each other up. And that's just one of the many, many times. We care for each other. And when you care for somebody, if they're doing something wrong or going to get in trouble or whatever, you go and tell them. And I don't think if we weren't in the group, I would do something like that to somebody I didn't know. When we first started going to fellowship, we were not in a small group. We were not in a community group. And we probably went for several months going to fellowship and not in a, in a group. And I felt I was not getting a deep 
experience. We've gotten to know our friends and finding where we fit in a group that's kind of been together for quite a long time. You can easily get lost in fellowship and that light that guides you out of that lost feeling is your group. It, it, it sort of lets you connect at that personal level, which you don't get just by going to fellowship and sitting through a sermon. It just doesn't happen. It happens in the group where you're sitting around with six other couples. That's where you're connecting closely with other Christians, learning from each other and uh, experiencing God and experiencing fellowship. Well, we as a church are not just a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. It's in the context of a small group experience that our large church becomes intimate. It's in the context of a small group experience that you find a place to belong, you find a place to grow, and you find a place to serve. You've just heard the story of one of our Springdale groups. This is a group I'm very familiar with. I admire several things about them. Uh, one is they want to study God's word deeply and they pray for each other passionately. In fact, one of the leaders called me uh, just a few months ago saying, our group wants to go deeper in Bible study. Can you help us with that? Second thing I like about this group is that occasionally they meet at AQ Chicken in Springdale. And they know to invite me on that night because there's nothing better than Bible study and some chicken over the coals. It's really good. And then lastly, they're, they're committed to serving. I've just watched as they've, some of them have faced some health issues. Some of them have faced the loss of a parent in the last year. Some of them have had issues, whether it's with their children or grandchildren, and they have served one another. And then, this is a group that I have on my list. If we have a need in Springdale, Arkansas, I can call this group. This group will write a check. This group will go and buy groceries. This group will go and do whatever's needed in the community. Um, they serve one another. So that reminds me of one of our values of our church. We serve together, arm in arm. We meet the needs of those inside the church as well as out in the community. We're in a six-week series where we are studying the church and more specifically, our church. And one of the things that we've said is that we do church together. Here's where we've been and where we're going. The series lines out this way. We grow together. We learn together. We worship together, shoulder to shoulder. We gather together, face to face, and we serve together, arm in arm. And then lastly, we make disciples together. Today, we'll learn about serving together. So open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll look at verses 10 and 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. They read like this. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. These verses are a clear call to followers of Jesus, the church, to serve others. 
It's a call to sacrificial living, to take responsibility for the well-being of those around us. This passage is a clear reminder that the world does not revolve around you or me, that we are not the center of the universe, that our sole purpose in life is not the pursuit of self-satisfaction, but there is a blessing found in benefiting those around us as well. So in the journey of life, we bring praise and glory to God as we help others along the way. Jesus said this, that the Son of Man, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as Christ's followers, we do for others what he has done for us. We give our lives away for the benefit of others. So let's break this first Peter passage down. Let's look at the who, let's look at the what, and let's look at the, the why found in these two verses. First, the who. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards. The text says, each of you. Your version might say, each one. It is inclusive of all who would hear or read these words. It's a command for the church. It does not say some of you or a few of you or a select group within. It says each of you. So I guess that's you and that's me. It's everybody who's listening in the room. It's everybody who's watching on the live stream or our digital channels. The expectation of service applies to all. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a part of the church, the community of believers led by the Spirit, then it assumes that you will engage in serving others. We are the church. We serve together, arm in arm. Now, the expectation of contribution should not be an unfamiliar standard to you because that's what healthy families do. Healthy families expect each member to serve or contribute, right? Parents, right? <laughs> if you're parenting or you have parented, then you understand that it's not a bad standard to expect those who are in our realm to help us with things. Now, there are some age limitations. We don't expect infants to take out the trash. There are some relational considerations. We don't expect our guests to mow the lawn there might even be some expectations that there are some injury timeouts. Some people may have a time in their life where they're too sick to contribute. But overall, family members contribute to the whole. They serve. Now, Amy and I are in our empty nester parenting years, and so our children are young adults, and they are outside of their home and paying their own way. It's awesome. But during COVID, they moved back in during the shutdown. And you know what? We were actually really excited. The band got back together and Club Amy opened up and it was like Christmas vacation. And uh, she went out and spent several hundred dollars on the groceries we could find and lots of toilet paper and all of that stuff. The kids moved back in and it turned into an all-inclusive resort. I, <laughs> I felt like I should have given them wristbands. And you know what? For the first seven, eight days, it was awesome. We played games, we hung out. 
But about day nine, one of them had a dog. Um, really sweet dog, just sweeter when she's with her. And um, so about day nine, we started going back to the bedroom and talking about them. <laughs> we are like, did you see that nobody did the dishes? Or I was like, yeah, did you see the trash cans didn't get brought in? And all of that kind of thing. We started getting bitter. Why? Because it's an expectation that is reasonable that the family members make a contribution. So we even thought about getting the old chore chart back out. You remember you put the stars? It's like, if y'all all do your chores, we'll take you to the dollar store and let you get some army men or something. We worked it out and assigned some duties and it was a sweet time. But you know what? This is true of the church family. That's the standard. Each one should serve others, but for many churches, this expectation goes unmet. The 80-20 rule applies, or the Pareto principle, that when it comes to serving, 20% do 80% of the work. The heavy lifting is done by a select few, and the scriptures affirm this trend. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? You know, I bet if you poll churches around the country, they would agree with those four words, the workers are few, especially the children's ministries. The workers are few. Now, I want to encourage you. I think Fellowship Bible Church bucks this trend, the 80-20 rule. In fact, I, I look and I see tons of servants in our body who've given of their time, of their energy, of their emotion. I just think about our worship team who start walking in the door at 6.30 every Sunday and don't walk out till 12.30. And they pour their hearts out for three services and go home tired. I think about our children's ministry workers who show up and love on those kids every week. I think about our global workers who burn the ships and leave everything behind and go overseas to share the gospel with those who haven't heard. And so we're thankful and we thank you for your service. Yet, the need is still great. As our community of Northwest Arkansas continues to grow, the harvest becomes more plentiful by the day, and therefore we need more workers, more laborers, more servants than ever. And this need is at the very heart of our mission as a church, that we're an equipping church. We equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Our mission statement reads like this. We exist to produce and release spiritual what? Leaders, servants, laborers who know Jesus, who know the authentic Christ, and then express him where they live, work, and play to Northwest Arkansas and the world. And that is our hope for each of you, that you would become a maturing disciple with a ministry focus. We want this to be a place where you can grow, but we also want to equip you and then release you, empower you, to serve here and out there, that you can find your role, that you can make a contribution at our church. So let me stop right here. Are you serving or just attending? Are you giving or just receiving? Are you fulfilling your biblical calling to be a part of the church? Have you taken on a ministry assignment? Or are you just being a consumer? Well, the first part of this passage is who is to serve. That's each of you. That's you, 
that's me. The second part focuses on the what. What are we to do? It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Each of you should use your gifts to serve others. We're blessed to be a blessing. We use what we have, our time, our energy, our emotion, our resources, our our skills, our talents to benefit or to help or to assist others. We can be used by God to add eternal value to people's lives. We help those inside the church and outside the church, in the congregation and out in the community. We are the Lord's agents. We live life on assignment or mission. We are his heart and his voice, his hands and his feet in our cities. We wake up each day and ask the question, whom can I serve? How can I help today? And this requires others-centeredness. It requires humility. C.S. Lewis said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less often. We are humble servants when we consider the interests of others above our own. When we consider ourselves successful, when we help someone else become a success. And I want you to check it out. The passage actually says something really exciting. That each person who is in Christ, by grace, through faith, has been given a gift or gifts. A spiritual gift a talent, a skill, a manifestation of God's grace. Do you know about spiritual gifts? The passage says that they come in various forms. Some are given the gift of prayer or intercession. Others are given the gift of a musical ability. Some the gift of teaching. Others the gift of leadership or mercy or administration or discernment or wisdom A spiritual gift is something that you have a natural ability in that the Holy Spirit empowers or it's something uniquely given to you when you come to know Christ. It's a talent, a skill, a a demeanor that easily flows out of your life and benefits the kingdom of God. Do you know your spiritual gift? Have you discovered how God has uniquely wired you to make a difference. If not, you can actually find a spiritual gifts assessment on our website, fellowshiprogers.org forward slash spiritual gifts, or the link to this will be in fellowship news this week. Take a spiritual gifts test and, and see where God has designed you to make a unique contribution. This is critical in your life. You need to understand why you may not be good at certain things and why you are better at certain things. I do not have the spiritual gift of craftsmanship. If I were to have a hammer, I'm a danger to myself and others. But I'm okay with words. I don't have the spiritual gift of mercy. But I do have the spiritual gift of wisdom. And I can help people solve problems. So knowing your spiritual gifts helps you to figure out where to make a contribution. And it might help explain why you've run into some barriers and some roles that you've signed up for. We're blessed to be a blessing. Each of us has a gift or skill, a talent. We all have time and resources, and these can be leveraged to serve the king. So the passage says who, that's each of us. It says what should use our gifts to serve, but look at the why in the passage 
it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If you speak, do so as one who speaks for God. If you serve, do so in the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. There are a couple of reasons for or results of our service of others you see in the passage. One why is that serving is an act of stewardship. Have you ever thought of it that way? That we've all been given time and gifts and resources, and we are the managers of those blessings, and we're called to use them in service of God's kingdom. So we're to be faithful, responsible, effective stewards of God's grace that has been given to us in various forms to various people. And at the end of our time here on earth, we will stand before the king who will ask us how we stewarded, how we managed the blessings that God has given us. It's mind-blowing to think that he's made a deposit in us that we are called to put that deposit into action. But look at the second reason why we serve. When we put that into action, it can actually result in praise and glory being given to God's name. When we use what God has given us to serve others, we build his reputation. We make his name famous. He is the one who is given the credit. The passage boils down to a simple phrase, we're blessed to be a blessing. This is the primary purpose in life for each of us. The secret to true contentment in life is not found in accumulation or accomplishment or acclaim, but in humble service to others. Peace and purpose in life is not found in being served. No, that's the American dream. No, peace and purpose in life is found in serving others and putting the needs of others above our own. Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Let me summarize a few things from the passage. We are all called to serve. That is all of us. There are no exceptions, exemptions, or exclusions. So who is called to serve? Everybody say, that's me. We're all in. Good. And we're all endowed with gifts to serve. Do you know yours? And are you generously and sacrificially deploying your gifts for the benefit of others? And the world around us is in desperate need of service. Our world could use a few more people who exist to serve rather than to be served. And then lastly, it brings us to this conclusion, this application. We've all got to find our place to serve. So the question is not if we will serve, it's where we will serve. So I wanna give you a picture this morning of what I think serving can look like. I'll call it the intersection of optimal influence. Everybody say, ooh, isn't that fancy? I'm gonna trademark it. Consider it your sweet spot for serving in ministry, serving the Lord. The intersection of optimal influence is a convergence of three factors. Your passion, 
your gifting and a need or an opportunity. So let's talk passion first. What are you passionate about? Well, how do you know? Well, passion's what gets you excited about things in life. It's what motivates you. It's what gets you out of bed in the morning. Have you ever noticed that it's really easy to get up early for something you like and it's hard to get out of bed for something you don't? If I'm going fishing, 4.30, no problem. If I'm going to the mall, ugh, I don't wanna do it. I don't like it. Now, you have a passion for something. You have anger when it's not done. You have excitement when you see it happening. Your passion can be for a cause, or it can be for a people group, or it could be for a, a task. Some people are passionate about feeding the poor. Other people are passionate about student ministry. Some people are passionate about single moms. Others are passionate about missions or foster care, or some are passionate about Bible study or, or prayer or discipleship. What's your passion? What gets you motivated or excited? What's your cause? What's your task? Who are your people. Secondly, let's talk gifting. We've spoken about it earlier. This is your God-given or spirit-empowered skill or talent or contribution. It's just something you're good at. It's something that's easy for you. It's something you've been complimented on by others or people have pointed out that you're good at. Do you know it? Lastly, you match these two things up with an opportunity or a need. A need that's accompanied by an assignment. It's a responsibility or a task that you can sign up for. Now, when you find a convergence of all three things, you've discovered your optimal sweet spot for serving. But let me give this a disclaimer. Not everyone finds this, but all are called to serve. If you find this, consider it a huge blessing when all three come together. But if you lack alignment of one factor or two factors, it's not an excuse to sit on the sidelines. Sometimes we just serve because there's a need. Sometimes we do things we're not passionate about, even things we're not good at, because we're the church. Hey, I want to challenge you to take some opportunity, take some time this week to work through passion, gifting, and opportunity, and think through your sweet spot, your intersection of optimal influence, and then have a conversation with someone who knows you. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend or one of your children, and see what they think about these three things for you. We are the church, we serve together. So if you haven't figured it out yet, this morning is a time where we're calling the whole church to serve somewhere within the congregation or outside in the community. If you're a part of the family, we're asking you to make a contribution. You may say, Sam, I'm not ready. Well, I can understand apprehension. Gary Harrell once told me, one of our pastors, that. Leadership is not the assignment we give to those who are ready. It's the assignment that makes you get ready. If you wanna feel some pressure, fear is a great motivation. It's fueled me for 27 years in the ministry. <laughs> you may say, I am too busy. Really? Really? All of us are busy. And all of us are making choices with the limited time that we have here on this earth. We prioritize what's important, and I can't think of anything more important than the kingdom work of God. You may say, I'm on injured reserve. I've been hurt. I need a time of healing. And I think that's good, and I understand that. Just know that there will be a time for you to get back on the field 
in the future. You may say, I'm not interested. So I appreciate your honesty. But you're going to have to read your Bible. There's no way around this. Followers of Christ are servants of others. Members of the family make a contribution. Let's do some application. We're gonna make this really easy for you guys to serve today. We've got a QR code. You can scan it. It'll take you to a page on our website called the Serve page. There's a form there. You can fill out and sign up for somewhere to serve in the church. There's also 18 organizations out here in Northwest Arkansas in the community that we partner with that you can sign up and serve in their ministry. I'll make it even more easy than that. You can leave today. It's okay to use side doors. You can go back in. You can go out the back doors. And in our foyer, there are, our ministry representatives from student ministry, children's ministry, worship ministry, small groups ministry, fellowship legacy ministry, hospitality ministry, security team, they're all out there and they would love to meet you and tell you about needs that they have. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers should be plentiful. We got plenty of people to get this thing done. Let me close with this. On the last night that Jesus spent with his disciples, last supper, last night, last words, the scripture says that Jesus got up from the table after the meal and he took on the role of a slave. He poured water into a basin. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He went around and he knelt before each of his men and he washed their feet. It was an act of complete humility. The king became the servant, the master became the slave. The one who gave the great commandment and who would give the great commission gave them the great example. And he said this, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We're blessed to be a blessing. Jesus gave his life for us. He washed our feet. And then he says, go and do likewise. Would you pray with me? Well, Lord, today we come and we thank you that you gave your life as a ransom for ours, that you humbled yourself, the King of Kings, who became our servant. And so, Lord, I pray for each of us that we would find time and space and energy and emotion to serve you by serving others this fall. And Lord, I pray that your name would be glorified through it. Lord, I pray that our fingerprints as a church would be everywhere, but our name nowhere. And that your name would be made famous as people's lives are changed. Oh Lord, we love you. We pray for this church to bring you glory. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hey, fellowship, if you need prayer today, we've got our prayer team available for you. There are plenty of service opportunities available in the foyer. We love you. We will see you next week.